Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it's great to be with you. Uh, and I'm, as always, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. And if you're listening to this, uh, my first child, Elvin Francisco Rodriguez, has Snyder Rodriguez, has been born, and we are so very, very, very uh, overjoyed at that fact. And th- thus, we are pre-recording these. Uh, so. Because right now, uh, Elvin is probably crying, and I'm probably changing his diaper, so uh, (laughs) that's probably what's going on in my future life. Um, I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but um, we're we're very excited to be able to bring you this podcast series that we're going to be doing over the next month on the eight Beatitudes, because uh, we're going to do some pre-recording, so I have some time to, you know, enter into fatherhood with uh, both you know, my, my son and my wife and, and really enjoy that. So uh, we, we thank you for always tuning into Sewing Hope, and we hope that you're going to enjoy this uh, month-long series on the Beatitudes while I'm, um, you know, entering the land of fatherhood. <laughs> exactly. Well, I have to say first, congratulations, Bill. Now, of course, we'll, we are pre-recording this, and Alvin hasn't been born uh, but I have been so excited about this upcoming birth and just uh, I'm so wonderfully happy for you and Agnes. And nothing greater, really, honestly, the gifts that God gives us than parenthood is just one of the most wonderful and amazing gifts. So again, congratulations to you and Agnes. Yeah, thank you. And, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, diving into, I mean, you know, we were talking about this and, you know, doing the future planning, we... All the way back in 2020, we were we were talking about this. You know, what are we going to do when this happens? You know, and um, you know, we both thought, well, let's do something really, you know, fun and spiritual, and and also, you know, uh, delve into an aspect of our faith that maybe doesn't get a ton of press these days, and that's the Beatitudes, right? Yeah, it is the Beatitudes. And Bill, I have to give you the credit that God worked through you that you came up with this idea. And uh, I think there's no greater lesson really in Holy Scripture uh, than the Beatitudes, the life of Christ. I mean, that's number one, right? But the Beatitudes were really the greatest lesson that he gave us um, to live the Christian life. And so we're going to do eight episodes during this month. And today will be the first one, which we're looking at the book of Matthew chapter 5. And it starts with verse three. So today's beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to unpack that together today, not only in a spiritual and a Catholic way, but also we're going to talk in a personal way too, and how that's affected our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, using, using the beatitudes from, from Matthew, uh, it's just going to be a wonderful series to go through. And just like you said, Anne, you know, bringing in some example from our own lives, bringing in some example from current, you know, t- church teaching, Pope Francis, all of those uh, things, because it's, it's so important to really delve into an understanding of this as Christians and Catholics. 
um, to, to, to live this because there are great promises that Christ gives us. I, I always love the promises of the Beatitudes because they're the promises of heaven. <laughs> yes, they are the promises of heaven. And when you read through all of the Beatitudes, especially in a worldly sense, they certainly don't seem like they're going to bring uh, happiness. But what it comes down to in my experience in prayer is that it comes down to that experience of God and, and knowing that he's with us and trusting him because the world will, will offer us power, pleasure, prestige, all those things that really don't bring us closer. They bring us further away from God. And that's what the Beatitudes are all about, to help us to really connect with what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Christ and be a disciple. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this first one where Christ says, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, you know, that it, it kind of kicks off with something that makes us question, what is poor in spirit? What does that mean? You know, why, why are we saying we need to be poor in spirit? Aren't we supposed to be full of the spirit? Aren't we supposed to be full of life in the Holy Spirit? Uh, but what is, what does poor in spirit mean? You know, what, and, um, maybe you can provide a little bit of some context on, on, on what you think that is, Anne. What is, what does poor in spirit mean? Well, on a personal level for me, poor in spirit, what I've learned and anything I've learned is basically through my prayer, through experience and through study too. I do think studying of scripture and listening to good homilies and keeping our eyes and our ears open to how God is teaching us, uh, of course, all in the realm of, of good catechesis, right? Not, not poor, is I think God has taught me that when I turn to him in my own life and when I be a little bit more silent, to be quite honest. I mean, letting other people speak. I think active listening has helped me to be more poor in spirit instead of uh, trying to take center stage, but letting God's uh, greatness come through in all situations and in all circumstances, because uh, I'm, I'm his servant and I, I try to be a servant and, uh, and his disciple. And I think that just keeping that awareness that God is big and we are his children, right? I mean, I think it all begins there. It's just really acknowledging that you are his child and that he will guide you in your life and not to try to orchestrate too many things in your life because he will present the correct answers at the right times. Yeah, you know, I, I think you touched on something that is so key uh, is really allowing God in by being humble. And by being lowly in prayer, and that's actually what, when you look at your Bible, I mean, a lot of times you take a look at the Bible below to kind of understand what these terms mean, right? Like, you know, and in in my Bible anyway, which is the NABRE uh, Bible, it, it talks about uh, poor in spirit, meaning lowly and humble. Uh, let me just, I actually want to read you the note, because I think it's uh, a, a good note to read uh, for you. It says, Poor in spirit is in the Old Testament. The poor are those who are without material possessions and whose confidence is in God. You know exactly what you were talking about, Anne. And then it says, the word is translated lowly and humble, 
respectively. In those only the devout poor were meant to extend the beatitude to all, of whatever social rank who recognized their complete dependence on God. The same phrase, poor in spirit, is also found in uh, Qumran literature. Uh, so that would be like the Dead Sea Scrolls as well. Uh, but you, you, you see it's about that letting God in, letting, letting the Holy Spirit actually you know, guide your life in such a way that it's not necessarily the, um, the, the material possessions that are going to get, you know, we, you know, we, we use that phrase often, right? Uh, we, we hear it in society, you, you know, you can't take a Brinks truck to heaven. It's not going to happen, right? So, so it's not about what we possess. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit and allowing God to use us, you know, being, you know, not puffed up in this in this life, but lowly in this life, to allow Him to use our our poverty, our nothingness, right? And a lot of times we hear the saints say that too, right, Anne? Like, you know, yes. you know, I am nothing. You know, I am I I am but a worm. <laughs> I mean, I there was one saint that was like, I am but a worm. I'm like, uh, I, I I'm not so sure I like that. But um, but but being lowly, being humble, um, of heart and of and of mind gives you, and then you see the reward on the other end of it, right? You hear that reward on the other end of it, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if we are this, we get this. And it's totally countercultural. It's totally countercultural. It is. I, I really do think everything that you said is true. And in our culture, we value things like uh, timeless, you know, timeless beauty and, and agelessness. And people who um, can be productive all the way from the time they're born until the time they die, right? Productivity. And so then it, it kind of erases the fact that God has everyone here for a purpose and a reason, even if they're not quote unquote productive or what the world looks and sees as someone of value, right? Because in sometimes in this world, we value money, we value uh, pleasure, we value power. I mean, when I say we, I'm talking about society, not as Christians and Catholics, right? Right. So those things as Catholics, really, uh, they're not the things that we're striving for at all. I mean, what we're striving for is the other and being Christ to other people and, and also really recognizing Christ in others and in the world and people who are suffering, right? That's a big part of it, I think, is yes. coming out of ourselves so that we can be the people that God made us to be to make the world truly a better place. You're you're so spot on. Mm -hmm. You know, you're so spot on with Thank that. You. And um, I remember one of the one of the books that I encourage people to read um, is a book called The Power of the Powerless. And it's written by uh, Christopher D. Vinnick. And um, it's, a, it's a phenomenal book about um, the life um, of his younger brother, um, who, due to tragedy at birth, uh, was born severely handicapped. He was blind. He was mute. He was crippled um, and completely helpless. Um, but his family chose life and through that um 
they they kept you know him alive for for many years even though he was um completely completely helpless and and powerless but they real you know he realizes in this book his you know his brother how many lessons he taught him i i the the book is fascinating it's a wonderful journey um to read it uh and so i recommend it to everybody because i really think it um captures the the essence of exactly what this beatitude is you know and and the lessons that it taught um people you know and taught him uh about just being humble recognizing that there's nothing that we um we can do that increases our worth or decreases our worth kind of like you said you know we are all worth you know incredible amount we're worth so much in god's eyes right um regardless of what we accomplish or what we do you know you know we i i think we've talked about it on this show every once in a while too we know we're human beings not human doings right (laughs) yeah that's right Uh, yeah so but but that's the beautiful thing about humility um is that is that it levels the playing field humility levels the playing field for for people of all um social classes you know right isn't that true like like it like it levels the playing field if if we are humble it doesn't matter how much money we have how many possessions we have it doesn't matter because because we know one thing that Jesus Christ is our lord and savior and that's the only way they're going to get to heaven and we're going to get to heaven is is through being humble and allowing the holy spirit to take over our 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 souls and and flood our souls with his love yeah said so perfectly i mean at the end of the day one reflection that helps me and and also i want to back up and say bill thanks for sharing about that book that sounds like a really good one maybe we can put that in the show notes because uh I, will. I would like to read that one. I don't think I have before. Sounds sounds awesome. But one reflection that really has helped me, and I've even used this with my kids when they were younger, uh, is when you reflect upon what will really be important in 100 years. And of course, there's that poem that some of us, I don't know it by heart, but there's a poem about what will be important in, in 100 years from now. And in 100 years from now, what really lasts is love. And if you unpack that in a Catholic way, that means God. So really what, what, what lasts is the love that you give, um, you know, the, the legacy of family, right? Your generations, but love is what, lo- what will last. And when we reflect on that and we think about not just a hundred years, 200 years, 300 years, four, I mean, the list goes on, right? And reflecting it in that way, we realize that we've been placed on this earth at this time in history for a reason and God's purpose to do his will now. And um, I thought maybe, Bill, if it's okay with you too, I looked up online and catholic.com also has a good description of what it means to be poor in spirit. And it's pretty short. I'll just read it. It says in the scriptures, the literal poor are considered especially close to God because of their complete dependence upon him. They place their trust and confidence in God rather than material possessions and worldly power. 
in the Gospel of Matthew, this blessedness is extended to all people, irregardless of their status in the world, who recognize their complete dependence and on God. To be poor in spirit is to be humble, recognize our sinfulness, and to trust in God more than the things of the world. And that's going to be in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. But isn't it true? Isn't it true that being poor in spirit is more than just a material thing? I mean, they mentioned in that, what I just read, that the poor can also be poor in spirit, right? People right. Who, who are lacking in material goods. Right. That's what I was saying. Like it, it levels the playing field regardless of what social class you're on. You know, whether you're the owner of an NFL team or you are, you know, a newborn baby, it, it, it doesn't matter. If you are poor in spirit, heaven is yours. You know, if you are humble and you allow the Holy Spirit to enter into your, your, your body and into your soul and say, I am living my life for Christ. I am living my life. I am allowing, like, that's the beautiful thing about this wonderful gift that, that Christ is trying to point us to is that, you know, be humble of heart and, and allow me to use you, you know, allow me to be an instrument in your hands. It's one of those great things that St. Francis understood, right? You know, St. Francis of Assisi uh, understood this, you know, he would, he would pray it, you know, Lord, make me a channel of your peace where there is hatred. Let me sow love. Right. And, you know, I, I, I want to be that instrument and that channel in your hands. And when I am, then heaven, not, not only do we bring about heaven on earth because that's, that's what happens, right? Like we bring about heaven on earth, but then we also attain heaven as the gift for being, you know, poor in spirit. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We have to really look at this and, and, you know, in our, in our lives, how do we do that? I was thinking while you were talking to Anne that, you know, um, after death, you know, like when, when we remember people, like when we remember people in a eulogy or remember people in a, um, you know, uh, years, even years after their eulogy, even years after they've passed away, we tend to remember the qualities that made them a good person, not the qualities mm-hmm. that made them bad, right? Like, like you know, we we really lift them up. We build them up. You know, my, my mom did this for me. My grandmother really did these things for me. He was a wonderful person, you know, and it seems like those qualities seem— you seem to stick with us longer. Those those qualities when we are, you know, more humble, more. Now, certainly, we people that are maybe are not connected to our family as intimately as we know. We we might say, oh man, really, you know, that that actress or that actor was really a bad person, you know, in Hollywood or something. But the reality is, those close to us, those people who we know intimately, husbands, wives, um, you know, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters we don't tend to talk ill of them, you know, um, even, even if they were, you know, the world's, you know, greatest ax murderer, you know, we, we, we probably tend to remember something nice about them versus all the, all the evil they did. And so I just think that, um, that too is, is, um, you know, it's, it's indicative of the mass when, when, um, you know, right after the, our father, when the priest says, Lord, look, you know, look, look upon our, 
you know, look not upon our sins, but upon the faith of your church. Like, you know, we, we when we're humble, we allow the Holy Spirit to use us. I I think the those good qualities, those times we reacted to the gospel in a positive way, live on beyond the generations, as you were saying, much more. That's right, completely, Bill. Thank you. And um, I think what you said about family is also very true because the best way to remember anyone who's gone is in a, in a positive way. And as Catholics, we should always pray for their soul because, I mean, we're not God. We don't know whether they need those prayers uh, if they didn't uh, go straight into heaven, right? We always pray that people uh, will meet the Lord in a positive way, right? And that they will reach their eternal home. But, uh, but yeah, I do think that that is a great reflection. And I think in my own life, Bill, I, when I unpack what you said about being poor in spirit, it all comes down to love. And it all comes down to really understanding what love is, because I think the Beatitudes unpack love in, in, in a really profound way that love is a sacrifice, right? So being poor in spirit is a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice for God and for others. And just a reflection that I have from Pope Francis that he has said in one of his homilies that Jesus looks for us and invites us to make room in the inner reaches of our heart. And that's where it begins. Um, it begins inside that heart and recognizing Christ and really, honestly, Bill, and I think you agree with this, it does come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we hear so well from our Christian uh, Protestant brothers and sisters. But having that personal and deep relationship with Jesus Christ will help us to walk in the Beatitudes. Yes, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, it all starts there and ends there, Anne. I mean, it all starts there and ends there. Uh, because if we don't know who Jesus is in our life. I mean, I think I said, you know, a few months ago on the podcast that uh, we can we can know everything about Jesus, but not actually know him as a person. You know, oftentimes we study him as a historical figure. You know, we study him uh, in our in our culture for sure like that, you know, or or even as somebody we we, we reduce Jesus to not our Lord and Savior, but just another philosopher, right? We reduce him to somebody who is just philosophizing about life, uh, and these are some cool principles to live by, but we don't really believe that he is our Lord and Savior and that he, you know, died for us and he, like, we don't believe that. We just think, oh, well, you know, there he is. He's this guy that taught some really cool things. And if I live that way, maybe I'll be happier. And, you know, that's, that's the wrong way to approach the gospel. <laughs> like, like we need to understand that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and he is a real person, and that he is alive. You know, so many people pro proclaim, you know, Easter, Jesus is alive, and then they don't live it. You know, they don't, they, Jesus has to be alive in your heart. And look, I'm guilty of that too. Believe me, I'm guilty of that too. Um, but either he either is a real person that is alive and is acting in the world through his spirit, which he promised he would give to us, 
or he isn't, and he's just that you know that's the world it becomes the world's greatest con if that isn't true you know what i mean because <laughs> it does i mean yeah. you know if it's if it's mm-hmm. not real then, all right then 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 how have we been living for 2000 years and how has this church continued for 2000 years of un, of unbroken you know chain of witnesses how how does that continue if this is all fake because i know that you know corporations and and countries and regimes and uh you know you know when you think about the world right like it's all fallen away everything falls eventually except for the eternal truth of jesus christ that that, that who he is and he is not going anywhere you know that he's god everything else will will eventually fade away and that yeah, that's said to us in Scripture, so I think you're 100% right when it starts with understanding that in your life. Okay, Jesus is real. And then what is my reaction to the fact that Jesus is real? i got to live like it. And if I'm going to live like it, that means that I've got to be humble, and I've got to allow him in. <laughs> you know, I've got to allow him in to my soul. And if we fill it with all this other stuff, we fill it with, you know, your, you know, your favorite sports team, or you fill it with your, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the latest trend is in society. If you're filling it with all that stuff, you know, um, that stuff is going to fade away. And at the end of your life or at the end of time, you're going to see that, um, the only thing that mattered was that you believed and that you were humble and you allowed the Holy Spirit to use you in in that way. And so, yeah, I think yeah, you're right on with that. Oh, so are you, Bill. <clears throat> and I know that we have times where you and I also can teach each other and it's okay sometimes to even question, but really and truly everything you said, I mean, I'm on board with, and I, and I think our listeners uh, are too, especially those who are really following Christ and, and those who want to really understand what does it mean to be poor in spirit? I think also what it means to be poor in spirit is to be able to uh, participate in active listening with others. It's such a hard thing to do, but you can't be humble and you can't be poor in spirit if you're so filled with yourself and with your own lessons that you quote, want to teach everyone, but not a good student. Right. (laughs) And I have another quote from the Holy father. And I think this is a good one about meekness. It says that only words spoken with love and accompanied by meekness and mercy can touch our sinful hearts, harsh and moralistic words and actions risk further alienation those whom we wish to lead to conversion and freedom, reinforcing their sense of rejection and defensiveness. Now, I just want to unpack that a little bit because he uses the words harsh and moralistic words and actions risk further alienation. I think what he's saying there is, you know, we've talked about this so many times in Sowing Hope, but what we have to look at, what does catechesis, what does good catechesis really and truly mean? Well, the catechism, obviously it's taking what the catechism teaches us 
learning from it, which are lessons that are given to us through the writings of the people who wrote it. Of course, the, the popes, bishops, and people who came together during the councils uh, to approve the teachings of the church, right? Now, of course, there's some moralistic things there. There are lessons for all of us in society. There's lessons for marriage and family and chastity, which are all very good and important. But if those are the words that we're speaking to others to try to evangelize them and to get them on board with the Catholic faith and being a Christian, uh, personally, I don't think that's where we start, Bill. And I, I think you agree with that that it has to go with, as, as the Holy Father has said, uh, words spoken with love and accompanied by meekness and mercy. That's, that, that's his words. Before we get into the whole uh, deep, thorough catechesis. And the other thing I wanna say again is, we can never ever forget that as Catholics, that part of catechesis and most of catechesis is how we treat and how we interact with human beings. So you can follow all the rules of the church, right? You can follow them and you can have the perfect family and go to daily mass and do all the quote right things. And all of your friends are pretty much in your boat. But Christ is also calling us beyond that too. He's calling us into the world to make a difference. So that that's just my own thought, Bill. I didn't know if you had anything to say on that. I think uh, those quotes from the Holy Father are, are beautiful. And I think... That you're absolutely right. That you know, you know, one of the beatitudes is you know not. It is definitely not. Blessed are those who are comfortable in their own, um, you know, comfort zone. You know, that's that, that is not one of the beatitudes, right? And <laughs> and uh, so we have to get out of our comfort zone. And you're right. We can check them all the boxes. We can check them all, and we can say, well. Here's here's my here's my list. I live I lived this as perfect, you know, as I thought I could do it, God at the end of our lives. And he's gonna say, Oh, okay, so you followed all of these wonderful teachings of the church. I'm very proud of you. Well well done. Well done for that. Um, how did you serve my people? How did you serve my world? You know, who who did you bring in with you? I I you know I am not, as you said, you know, I am not here saying you know, that, that, that we do not live the moral teaching of the church. Absolutely, we live the moral teaching of the church, and we do our best to do so. But it's also about who did we bring in, and who did we lift up, and who did we help? And the only way that you can help somebody get to know Jesus is if they, is if they can see Jesus in you, right? And um, if they can see Jesus in you as a, as a, you know, believer in him, there's only one way that happens. If you are humble enough to allow Jesus to use you, it, you know, it, it comes down to that. Like, like, like we talk about, there's that, there's that one prayer, um, uh, that, that we ask, um, the blessed, Mother, to take, um, you know, you know, possession of our heart, and the, there's some of those prayers we ask, you know, the Holy Spirit or the Blessed Mother, um, you know, in in consecrating ourselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary or to Saint Joseph, we ask, you know, 
possess my heart and 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 use it as as your possession for the world. Well, if we really mean that, if we really mean that, then he is going to take us out of our comfort zones and he's going to put us into comfort, you know, difficult situations. And with people who do not think and act and look like us. Right? And we have to really be open to God's grace in those moments. It doesn't mean we acquiesce on the truth of the church. It doesn't mean that we acquiesce on the moral teachings of the church. But it means that we are open enough to allow Christ to reflect uh, himself in, our, in us. And, you know, I mean, there's that quote, you know, I, I, I'm sure many listen, listeners are familiar with it, you know, be Jesus today for somebody because it might be the only face of Christ they ever see, you know? Um, and, and, you know, you don't know who you're coming into contact with. You don't know their story, right? You don't know their um, situation. And so be kind and be humble and be merciful in those situations. And God will use it for His glory, not your glory, His glory. And as a result, you get the kingdom of heaven. Oh, thank you, Bill. It gives a lot for us to think about. And, um, and you're, you're right. Humility is really where it all begins. And you brought up a good point, though, too, that, you know, the face of the Catholic Church, honestly, worldwide, it, there, there's so many different kinds of people, all, all different races and cultures and family sizes and family structures, right? I mean, there's people who don't have family. There's people who they're by themselves and they don't have any people to call family or spend time with other people, other, you know, children or parents or siblings. Uh, there are people who are left alone in that way. Uh, and so when we look at it that way, that all are welcome, really, honestly, into our church. It's a very diverse church. And um, and we're the Lord is welcoming everyone. It, that's why we call ourselves a universal church, right? I mean, it is a, the universal, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Another thing that the Holy Father has said is that no one can be excluded from the mercy of God. The church is a house where everyone is welcome and no one is rejected. Uh, I know, Bill, you've even shared with me your own parish and how there, there is a great diversity and welcoming there. And I think that's also good for all of us to recognize that uh, in order for the church to grow, we need to pray. We need to open up our ears. We need to be active listeners. We need to be people of dialogue. We need to stop wanting and wishing for people to model after our own lives, right? Uh, if my evangelizing has nothing to do, should have nothing to do with me wanting other people or other families to model after my family, because my family is my family that God's given me, right? Yeah, and he's called you to a certain mission that, mm -hmm. that he hasn't called me or my family to, right? Like, like... You know, the other thing, I mean, I, I think oftentimes we don't really think like this, but there is not a person on this planet that God doesn't love. 
You know, there's not a single person on this planet that God doesn't love. <laughs> and um, he wouldn't have made you if he didn't love you. Like, he loves your... And, and you have a unique fingerprint that, that only you can leave on the world. You have a unique fingerprint that only you can leave on the world. There's not another fingerprint like yours. There's not another DNA strand like yours. You're it. And if you, you know, here's, here's the flip side of that coin, though. If you don't do the, your job, right, like, like if you don't live for him, then that fingerprint doesn't get left on the world in a positive way that he wills it for your life. So you are responsible for your fingerprint on the world. You're either going to leave the image of God on the world through you, or you're going to leave an empty image. You're going to leave a completely empty image of yourself and your selfishness on the world. And, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I hate to, I, you know, you, you know, you hate to make it that blunt, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, but really God loves you and it's never too late to turn it around. Like, you know, you, people, people on their deathbed can turn it around. So it's never too late to turn it around and believe and accept and know that Jesus is um, your Lord, that he is your Savior. Um, you know, and, and I remember hearing one time in a talk, too, I'll just say this quickly here, is that, you know, the word Lord, you know, means that, like, he rules. And if you say he's the Lord of your life, well, that means he rules over every aspect of your life. And so... Um, Let's let's look at that, you know. Let's let, let, let's examine that. What areas in your life are you still holding on to? What areas of your life do you think you have that control over that you don't want to give up to Lord, the Lord, right? You've got to you've got to relinquish the control to say, okay, Jesus, I give it to you. I let you rule over that area of my life. And that's, um, you know, that's where humility kicks in. That's where, you know, being poor in spirit or poverty in spirit kicks in and, and says, okay, yeah, um, I've got to give up this, you know, inclination to sin. I've got to give up this, this sinful behavior. I, I need, I've got to become more like you and I've got to give that up. And that, you know, it's not easy. Look, I fail at it 12 times a day, probably 30 times a day, right? Um, but the reality is that that's what we have to try and do is say, if you're saying, you know, you're our Lord, then we, you got to give it up to him and let him rule over it. Exactly. Because how can God have a place in our hearts if we do not let him take over our hearts? And, you know, when you look at the mission of every life, really, what is the mission of every life that's everyone has in common? And that is the fulfillment of loving as God loves to others, right? And accepting his love too, accepting his gift of love for us. And I just have a meditation I wanted to read if I could. It's, it's not that long. It's from 
Henry Nguyen. He's an author. Uh, he is deceased and he's a, a famous Catholic author. He says, uh, loving deeply does not, do not hesitate to love and to love deeply. You might be afraid of the pain that deep love can cause. When those you love deeply reject you, leave you or die, your heart will be broken. But that should not hold you back from loving deeply. The pain that comes from deep love makes your love even more fruitful. It is like a plow and breaks the ground to allow the seed to take root and, root and grow into a strong plant. Every time you experience the pain of rejection, absence or death, you're faced with a choice. You can become bitter and decide not to love again, or you can stand straight in your pain and let the soil on which you stand become richer and more able to give life to new seeds. Now, this one is from the book called The Inner Voice of Love, but I'm reading a book here, a meditational book called You Are the Beloved. There are daily meditations for spiritual living, and I'm getting so much from it. But I think that meditation speaks a lot about being poor in spirit and accepting God's love in our hearts so that we can really live in that grace, right? Living in God's grace every day of our lives and waking up every day grateful, ready to serve and poor in spirit too. Yeah. And, and Bill, if I might add to, um, I think when it comes to being healthy, spiritual health, that it's also not a bad thing that if there are some relationships in your life, it's always important to love everyone as God loves, right? But sometimes there's unhealthy relationships too. And it's not, I don't think it's a sin to have some boundaries with certain people who, uh, who don't allow us to live this out. Maybe people who have, uh, you know, to be blunt, personality disorder sometimes, if that makes any sense, you know? Mm -hmm. We gotta have, we have to have spiritual health and sometimes that does involve uh, boundaries, healthy yes. boundaries though. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it's and it's a good thing to recognize that and know that. Um, you know, sometimes the best way to love somebody is to, um, you know, allow yourself to put up those boundaries. Sometimes that's the best way you can love them. And, you know, God calls us to always pray for those people that are enemies or that we don't like. I mean, he actually, you know, says that. That's scriptural, right? Pray for your enemies. Um, actually pray for them and not, not pray that they're going to, you know, come around to, uh, you know, your line of thinking that does not, that is not included in, in, in what Christ says. Like that's not an included part of it. Is it, you see somebody just says, pray for your enemies, pray for them, um, and pray for those who, you know, persecute you. Well, um, then that's what we have to do. And we have to do it from the place that's not selfish. That's not, you know, saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm waiting for this person to apologize to me after, you know, you know, 30 years of treating me bad. Like, no, it's just to simply pray for them. And uh, so, so I think you raise a great point, though, that the boundaries are a way to love them. Uh, the boundaries are a way to uh, will the best for them in their life. You know, and not everybody is going to agree with everything you say. Not everybody is going to like you. And that's a, that's a difficult, you know, that's, I'm sure there's people, you know, in, in, in our listener base, maybe who have listened one time and said, oh, that's a 
weird show. I'm turning this off. You know, like, like, you know, not everybody is going to think you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, you know, you stop worrying about trying to please everybody. Uh, they're, they're actually, they're excellent points, Bill, uh, because the spiritual world and the psychological world, they do intersect. And there is such a thing as good spiritual and mental health. And being poor in spirit, I don't think means that you have to be, as one priest put it to me during confession one time, uh, a doormat, right? It doesn't mean that everyone who needs things from us 24-7, that we quote unquote, put up with everything. Uh, it really means that we walk with Christ, we know our dignity and our value, and we don't need to be defensive, but we do need to have some kind of a boundary sometimes with the world, not with God, with the world, right? And there is sin in the world. So since there is sin in the world, we do have to have some kind of a boundary yeah. with, um, with people, and, and, and like I said, that doesn't mean that we don't care about them, love them, pray for them, loving our enemies, caring about everything, but we have to have some kind of a boundary so that we can maintain our prayer life, so that we can maintain what is really important and what our mission is. You know, I mean, Bill, you know, you understand because we're both in the nonprofit world and we're both busy people, quote unquote, but if I attended to every single thing that people wanted me to do 24 seven, I would be up all the time and I would be doing everything that everyone wants me to do. Right. Yeah. But I have to have, I have to have some kind of a boundary and that's part of my being poor in spirit is that I have to rely on God so that I can accomplish his will in everything that I do every day, whether it be as a wife, a mother, a friend, a next door neighbor, a parishioner, whatever, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Now you're, you know, you're totally uh, right, Anne. You're, you're totally right about it. And I think um, for those people listening out there that are in ministries, listen to Anne's words, because um, you know, give yourself an opportunity to have a relationship with God that is not driven by by the world. You know, um, oftentimes, you know, as Anne said, you know, your parishioners. If you're a priest, your parishioners can, you know, totally drain you. Um, you know, and, and leave you, uh, you know, just physically drained, um, emotionally drained. Uh, and so take some time to rest in God's love and set those boundaries because you know what, here's the thing, you will be a better pastor, a better priest, you'll be a better religious sister, you'll be a better mom, you'll be a better dad if you allow um, for some of those boundaries to you know, take root in your life. And um, it doesn't mean you're being unkind. It doesn't mean you're being um, rude to people. It just means that um, you need to allow uh, room for God to enter in. Um, and, you know, it, admitting the times we failed at that is also an important thing, too. Admitting the time and saying, you know, I, one of the hardest things to do, and Ann, you know this in nonprofit ministry, is to say no. You know, it is one of the most difficult things to do, you know, because people want this and they want that. And it's it's a very difficult thing. But to say no um, is one of the best blessings you can give yourself and your ministry sometimes uh, when, you know, be, be, because, you know, OK, that's not the direction that God's calling me in right now. 
And um, But I will authentically pray for you. I will authentically pray for you. And I will ask you know, the Holy Spirit to provide an instrument for you, uh, to, to, you know, and, and, and your needs. Um, so yeah, I just think, uh, this, this has been, this has been so much funny on talking with you on this show and uh, I'm looking forward to this whole series that we're going to be able to do. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it as well, Bill. And the neat thing about it is that it's pre-recorded, so you and I can listen to it live. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that'll be, that'll be neat. Yes, it will. Yeah. Uh, folks, well, I want to remind you as always, um, you know, please, please visit our website um, and, uh, or, or I should say websites, patchworkheart.org, andysanis.com. Uh, and, you know, check out everything that we have going on there. Uh, and, you know, Anne's TV show, of course, Journeys in Faith. Uh, is is wonderful, uh, and our good friends at Fiat Ministry Network. We couldn't we couldn't do this without them. Uh, so so mm-hmm. we thank we thank um, both Kent and Jennifer uh, for doing all the work that they do to uh, you know put our put our programming out on their network, and uh, it, it really has been a wonderful blessing. So so Anne, thank you for this episode, and I know our our next one is going to be on. Uh, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted, and that that'll be our next uh, episode. Um, you know, and that's going to be great to to be talking with you about that as well. Yeah, I can't wait, Bill. It's the, the whole series is good because we always have guests on Sewing Hope. It's nice once in a while that we do these series where we can really focus on some important aspect of our faith. So, thank you, Bill. Of course, Anne, and folks, uh, as I say. Uh, As always, keep uh, beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts from all of us here at the Fiat Ministry Network, the St. Raymond Donatus Foundation, and Patchwork Heart Ministry. Have a blessed rest of your day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, Visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.